I suddenly realised, I remember saying, Michael is not coming home. I couldn't go to the door dead, but I knew Michael wasn't coming home. In the early hours of February the 14th, 1981, 48 young people died when fire engulfed the Stardust nightclub in Artane, Dublin. He said, uh, place is on fire, we're not going to get everybody out. Tell the officer to send absolutely everything that you have. Nobody saw it coming. If they did, it was already too late. Just people were screaming outside. You could hear them screaming. 846 people came through the doors that night. 44 would never come out. Four more died in hospital. It was one of Ireland's most catastrophic tragedies. And then everything went black. Then everybody started squealing and roaring and, and you could see the flames, do you know what I mean? And everybody then, it was just like wild animals. Getting out was a lottery. There was a state play and bars on the window, so we, we couldn't get out. Only fate decided who lived and who died. For some survivors, they never really got out. And for the families left behind, their souls were taken with their kids inside that building. Those that got out of the building got out of hell, but we've lived in hell. They were left at the mercy of an uncaring state. I want to know why the state interfered. I want questions answered. This is the story of the Stardust tragedy. Brought to you by the Irish Sun. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. As a kid, like, I mean, my first conviction was for stealing a red bottle of lemonade. I got a fine, and then I was involved in another crime as a kid, stealing and breaking into shops. Jerry Hutch crept into the crime world early on in life. Born into poverty in the north inner city, he made a start out of necessity, stealing food from his local shop. He described his upbringing in an infamous primetime interview with RTE in 2008. There was, there was nothing around. I mean, forced up, best dressed. I had no choice. You had to get into crime to feed yourself. My mind, dress yourself. Jerry was first locked up at just 15, sent to prison for petty theft. In Mount Joy, he was surrounded by some of the worst criminals in Dublin. I mean, I was in prison with murderers, rapists, bank robbers, everything in a male prison, full of all them. I mean, that, that's not right. It was like going to college for criminals. Upon his release, what started as an act of survival grew to a compulsion of sorts. Continuous theft charges resulted in 11 trips to industrial schools and further visits to prison. The young criminal was getting a name for himself around the city. By his late teens, he'd be destined to spend his life in and out of Ireland's penal system. But it wasn't to be the case. In fact, a charge of malicious damage at the age of 20 would be his last dealings with the criminal courts for nearly 40 years. Jerry wasn't done with crime, though. He just got better at it. Much better. At 5.30pm on the 26th of January 1987, three armed and masked men held up and stole over £1.3 million from a Securacore cash-in-transit van outside the Bank of Ireland at Marino Mart in Fairview in Dublin. Jared Hutch says he wasn't involved, and yet £75,000 from that robbery ended up in his Northern Ireland bank account. 
the Marino heist was just the beginning. In 1995, Hutch and his crew were the prime suspects in the theft of nearly three million pounds from a cash holding facility in North County Dublin. Despite eyes on him and his gang, Jerry was able to avoid prosecution for both robberies. They didn't come without repercussions, however. In 1999, he handed over £1.2 million to the Criminal Assets Bureau in a settlement case. A landmark civil trial for the state. By this stage, he was beginning to get a reputation for himself in the papers. Jerry famously donned the nickname The Monk, given to him by murdered crime journalist Veronica Gearan. It was meant to signify a healthy and clean life of abstinence. In reality, though, Jerry enjoyed a pint and a party as much as anybody else. His sense of humour was legendary. It might explain the name he chose for his limousine company in 2001. Carry anybody limousines, or cab for short. He spent the naughties collecting and dropping celebs around Ireland and even chauffeured a few debs in his time. Jerry had long moved out of the inner city, settling in the affluent seaside suburb of Clontarf in North Dublin with his family. However, his stock in the North inner city never dwindled, and his reputation locally led him to become an unofficial diplomat in some regards. He was the go-to man for sorting out issues in the community. Rather than see some kid getting seriously injured because he owes a debt, which is disgraceful, but these things happen. And if you, you can just say, oh, it's nothing to do with me, which it isn't, but if some woman comes over who you grew up with and says, our son is, you have to kind of give her a dig out. That type of thing, you know. You see, the Hutch family is a very big family and, and well-respected. I mean, like from Liberty House and the mother and, you know, the extended family now all over the place. A huge number of them, the vast, vast majority of them, nothing to do with any criminality, nothing to do with drugs. He had status in, in the area, but he had status because he was actually doing good in the area. And the Hutch family would be very, and still are, highly regarded in the area. In line with his heroic persona, Jerry advocated publicly for an anti-drugs community. His disdain of the lifestyle was no secret. What would concern me is the media linking me to the drug trade. He even suggested drug law reforms. The drug culture is the scourge of the country. All towns everywhere has it. But I mean, the, the justice minister and the, and the department should make it illegal to have drugs in your system. And go into a party, people taking drugs, arrest them, take a DNA, if drugs in your system, it's against the law. Now you're nicked. Like the monk and his, they weren't drug dealers. They were criminals and they'd admit it. Like Neil, Mick Rafferty has known the broader Hutch family for decades. He recalls a holiday to Lanzarote with his wife. A regular day on the Spanish island pottering around, looking for somewhere to eat for lunch. And uh, this guy came up and said, Mick. And it was himself, you know. Like any previous interactions Mick had had with him, Jerry was courteous and friendly. Filled with that familiar excitement of seeing someone from home in a foreign destination. He offered to show Mick and his wife around the island. He had a car over there, so uh, he, he had a place over there. And he drove me around, he drove himself and Anne around, because at the time we were time with the idea, the whole family would go over there and uh, rent out a house. But he gave me an opportunity to talk to him, really deeply, you know, like we went on a long walk along the cliffs and back. During their chats, Mick got to see a side of Jerry that few had ever seen. And he actually said to me, he just wished that somebody had intervened when he was a teenager. 
when he had been a teenager, somebody had diverted him in a different direction. A highly intelligent man, you know. It was clear to Mick that a life of crime wasn't the monk's preferred route. And he, he sort of was himself, I just wish I had got educated. And there are ways, you know, he's very conscious, and that's why, he, as soon as he got money, I won't let my uh, kids grow up in this environment. And he moved out to Clontarf, you know. The way Mick sees it, it can be difficult for those on the outside looking in to understand the motivations of someone like Jerry Hutch, a man who came from very little, but actively chose to go down the route he did. Culturally, if you're sort of from a middle-class background or a lower-upper-class background, there's different aspirations. You know, uh, he would say there's no difference really between the business he chose and the business that a, a capitalist does. You know, he's just targeted banks and a, a capitalist accumulates money differently. So they launched a surveillance operation at Malaga Airport with the intention of bringing him into custody there, but he never turned up. John Murphy wasn't a guard who was compromised by criminals. He was a criminal who happened to be in the guards. The Kinahans is brought to you by the Irish Sun. I'm Damien Lane. If you liked what you've heard so far, please leave us a review on your podcast app. It only takes a second. Episode 8. Hiding in plain sight. In February 2019, Patrick Hutch, Gary Hutch's younger brother, sat nervously in the dock, the non-jury special criminal court. He'd been charged with the murder of David Byrne. Specifically as the man dressed in drag, who first accompanied Flat Cap in the weigh-in room. It wasn't his first day in court, however. Patrick Hutch had sat in the same hall, on the same charge, exactly one year earlier. But things took a dark turn in the case. Regency Hotel murder trial has been adjourned for a month, pending an investigation into the death of the lead detective on the case. Detective Superintendent Colm Fox was found dead at Ballymongartha station earlier this month. Just one month into the trial, Colm Fox, the lead investigator in the Regency attack, took his own life in Ballymongartha station. Detective Superintendent Fox was under a massive amount of stress leading up to the trial. His wife would later recall incidents where she would have to confiscate her husband's phone and put it away in order to allow him to get a rare full night's sleep. After a break of over 11 months, due to a review into Fox's suicide, the case readjourned briefly in February 2019 before a final outcome was reached. Angry scenes outside the criminal courts of justice this morning after David Byrne's family heard the charges against the man on trial for his murder had been dropped. It's more than a year since the trial opened at the non-jury special criminal court. After numerous delays, prosecuting counsel Sean Gillan said the death of the lead investigating officer Colm Fox meant the case could not now proceed. Patrick Hutch left the courts that day through a back exit and hopped onto the back of a friend's motorbike. He was carried through the north inner city, returning a completely free man. It's difficult to know if there would have been a different outcome had the trial been allowed to continue. A collapsed case was never envisaged by the DPP. The issue with the Regency attack is that it lacked physical evidence. The attack was well planned in certain regards. No DNA was recovered and the hit team were well disguised. It was a nightmare for detectives to try and identify them. 
in 2017, the dissident Republican Kevin Flatcap Murray. The only one not disguised had passed away from motor neuron disease. With Patrick Hutch free and Murray now deceased, it left the state without any prosecutions for the reasons he hit team. It wasn't all bad news for the Gardaí, however. By the beginning of 2019, murders had stopped on the streets of Dublin. That's not to say that both families had patched things up. There was still toxicity between the Hutch and Kinahan gangs. But non-stop feuding was bad for business. Not only that, the Gardaí's counter-operation proved successful once the surge of violence in 2016 had calmed down. Christy, Daniel and Christopher Jr. were still at large. But their army of foot soldiers was weakening by the day. The Irish sons, Michael Doyle. Very quickly, a lot of them were put behind bars in the years that followed. I guess um, it's an expensive business going for hire. And there aren't too many people out there who are willing to do it or are in a position to be able to do it. So that's where the Kinahans are now. Some of the cartel's higher-up lieutenants had also seen their luck run out. The Gardaí managed to successfully prosecute high-profile figures within the cartel, like Fat Freddy Thompson. Also, Eamon Cumberton went down for the murder of Michael Barr, and he was one of the top gunmen and top assassins that the cartel had at their disposal. It took a little bit of time, I guess, to really get on top of things, but there has been a few murders since December 2018. And that goes to show kind of the work that has been done and the work that was done and kind of putting a lot of people behind bars and a lot of well-known criminals in this country. On the 12th of January 2019, Thomas Bomber Kavanagh was arrested at Birmingham Airport. Right, I'm arresting you on suspicion between November 2016 and October 2017, conspiring to import and supply Class A and B controlled drugs, conspiring to import and supply Officers from the UK's National Crime Agency nabbed him as he was going through security. He was accused of masterminding a 35 million cocaine and cannabis smuggling operation across Europe and had been leading the gang's UK operations based out of Birmingham. It was a big loss for Christian Daniel and signified just how much progress was being made in dismantling both gangs. The Gardaí took a lot of heat in the eye of the storm, but credit has to be given for suffocating the violence. Seamus Boland is Detective Chief Superintendent of the Gardaí's Drug and Organised Crime Bureau. You know, from 2015 to date, and you know, in Ireland alone, we were talking at that time in April this year about controlled drugs, whether it be cocaine, heroin, or cannabis. You know, in excess of 20 million had been seized. You know, the reality is that's now today even increased in this country to up to 30 million euro worth of of drugs seized that could be linked direct to that group. 48 firearms. We now have 80 people locked up serving significant prison sentences in in Ireland for significant organised crime activity, including murder, who would be associated with that particular group. I could quote somebody and say, tell me not at your successes, but show me your prisoners. And you look back at what has been achieved, the heavy lifting that has been done by the guards, against huge odds with scant resources. So um, the guards did what they had to do and the results are there to be seen. They did an excellent job. I'm not saying it because I was there and long after I left, they were still at it. And they did, they did what they did and they did very well. At the beginning of 2020, Daniel Kinahan launched a PR assault and continued efforts to re-legitimise his name. It was to be a big year for MTK and Daniel was hell-bent on taking over the boxing industry as the sport's leading super agent. Big deals were on the table with broadcasters such as ESPN and promoters like Top Rank. 
because of this, Kinahan felt he needed to control the narrative around his own links to the feud. The Sunday Times' John Mooney. Their forays into marketing, PR, propaganda, whatever you want to call it, came at a time where they were transitioning into legitimate industry and possibly saw such activity as something they could pull off. But it was a rather naive, clumsy and misguided effort that really, to me, it just demonstrated that they're really not that intelligent. On April the 4th, 2020, the PR counteroffensive went into overdrive. English rapper Jay Spades released a track called Major Plans, a diss track towards the Irish government and the Hutch gang. Arguably a well-produced and catchy beat, but its message was laughable. In February 2016, a gang of fire burst into the Regency Hotel in North Dublin during a boxing wave. Three men were disguised as members of the emergency response unit. One was wearing a flat cap and the other dressed as a woman. They entered the venue and opened fire. Their target was the international crime cartel boss, Daniel Kinahan. Imagine a lifestyle where the feds want to kill you. Guns coming after you, that's government issue. Today you're legit and your business official. But back then you went through some shit like tissue. Big moves, big money coming in. Jay Spades pushed the narrative that the Hutch gang colluded with the state to have Kinahan killed. That the whole thing had been orchestrated. Kinahan versus Hutch, everybody choose sides. Police so corrupt, they're just wishing you would die. Bag of cover-ups, bag of fake alibis. To the head investigator on the case suicide. In an interview with IFL, a boxing website sponsored by MTK, Jay Spades defended Daniel. He continued to insinuate that the state was involved in the attack. Let's say, let's just say, for instance, this wasn't Daniel Kinnan, because I feel like whatever rap sheet they tried to attach to him, whatever stigma they try to attach to him, if that was a stigma and that stigma was really what they say it is, then why wasn't there police at that weigh-in to begin with? Do you understand? And anyone that's following the story would have known that a couple months before that there was a few things happening. So this was a build-up. They knew something like this was going to go down. So if that's the case. Why were there no police in, in, at the weigh-in? At a big old hotel with so many media personnel, all of that going on. And something like that happens in broad daylight. The, these people walk in, in front of people, do the dirty, and everyone got, goes away. The cartel's marketing campaign wasn't finished there. One month later, in May of 2020, an even bigger production was released to the world. An on-screen display this time called The Regency Discovered the Truth. A 15-minute big-budget documentary that used fictional reenactments to drive home the Kinahan's message that they were being misunderstood. No expense was spared. Over a hundred actors were hired for the shoot, an entire hotel in the UK was booked out to film the propaganda project. The owner of the hotel had a friend in the police force who put him directly through to the Dublin division. But again, no one answered. It was like all the police in Dublin had vanished. After terrorising over a hundred people in the weigh-in and murdering an unarmed man in the lobby, the team took their time to search for Daniel. They shot anyone associated with him. It would also suggest to me that they have wealth beyond most people's imaginations. My understanding of the film that they made, which was kind of awful to watch, that that would have cost like hundreds of thousands. And this was spend on a production with actors and everything else. For for what? Like, I mean, really didn't... It, no one was going to watch that and come to the conclusion that somehow Daniel Kinnan was not involved in crime. The fact of the matter was that many people just didn't care that the Kinnahans were gangsters. It was easier to look the other way. 
Bob Arum, CEO of Top Rank. The boxing promotion company that MTK brokered many of their biggest deals. He spoke to News Talk in 2020. Look, I'm not naive. What did or didn't happen prior to his involvement in boxing is not of a major concern to me. I really must say that not only is he intelligent, which everybody had told me before, but he is dead honest and forthright and he's a no-nonsense guy. This is not unusual in boxing, where somebody comes in, has some questionable background in the past, and then goes into boxing, and then he's judged for how he acts in the sport, whether as a performer or a businessman. This is not unusual for the sport of boxing. It was as if Aaron wanted to let bygones be bygones. The feud on the 18 men dead... That was all in the past. In the interview, Shane Coleman, the News Talk presenter, hit back. Look, I, I accept that, Bob, and that's, that is a very fair point about, about boxing and, and people are entitled to, to a second chance having served their time. I, I suppose the counterpoint would be that quite recently Daniel Ginnahan was named by the courts as a senior figure in organised crime on a global scale, that we're, we're not talking about the past. Well, that has nothing, but again, those are allegations, and I don't know anything about that. And, you know, his dealings with us have been solely about Tyson Fury and the sport of boxing. And if anybody asked me, I would say without any question that I find him to be an honorable man. Aram's attitude to Kinahan's past was baffling. But then again, he had major skin in the game. It suited him to keep Daniel on side. Because it meant keeping Tyson Fury on side too. Fury was Daniel's golden goose. He was earning consultancy and management fees of up to 1.5 million per fight. And these sums were only increasing. After a three-year absence from boxing, He was back to making big bucks. In his return to the big time, his 2019 fight with Deontay Wilder had ended in a split draw. But in February 2020, Fury got another shot at the WBC Heavyweight Championship. The Heavyweight Championship of the World is on the line. The rematch between Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. Wayne established him as one of the greatest heavyweights in living memory. Not only that, his rise from the ashes was a comeback story of epic proportions. Daniel Kinahan had helped deliver his resurgence. It had been four years in the making. Every promise he had made to the Gypsy King had come true. Now back at the top of the game, The final jewel in their crown was a fight that everybody was pining for. Tyson Fury versus Anthony Joshua. The other British superstar had been dominating the boxing world. Talks had been going on for years at this stage. But in June 2020, Fury hit Twitter again with a big update. Hello there. I'm just after getting off the phone with Daniel Kinahan. Uh, he just informed me that the biggest fight in British boxing history has just been agreed. Get up there, my boy! Uh, big shout out, Dan. He got this done. Um, literally over the line. Two fight deal. Uh, Tyson Fury versus Anthony Joshua um, next year.
Even though the long-awaited Fury Joshua fight is one that would never come to be, the boxer's public praise of Daniel Kinahan drew many eyes to the sport. The following day, Alan Kelly of the Labour Party addressed the doll with concerns around Kinahan's ascension in the sport. And I know you can't fully answer this, uh, Taoiseach, but I do want your opinion. There's an individual from our country who has, according to uh, the High Court, is a very senior figure in organised crime on a global scale, and according to CAB, has controlled and managed operations of the Kenyan Organised Crime Group for some time. He's now rebranding himself in the Middle East as a boxing promoter, and one of the most famous individuals involved in that has described him as a smart, able and honest man. Taoiseach, our country has to intervene here. We owe it uh, to the victims of uh, such a cartel. Our country needs to do this and needs to do it today. This is an important juncture, Taoiseach, because of the parasitical criminal activities of this individual and all associated with him. Thank you. Thanks, Deputy, and thanks for, for raising that matter. I don't want to say too much about it, but I have to say I was rather taken aback to see um, uh, Tyson Fury and his video the other day and um, uh, just dropping in uh, that name that you mentioned, um, uh, as if this was not somebody who has uh, quite a checkered history uh, in this state and elsewhere. And um, while I can't comment on any particular guard operation, I can certainly assure you that there has been contact between the Department of Foreign Affairs and the authorities in the United Arab Emirates. While Kinahan was on top of the boxing world, progress was being made behind the scenes and the net was tightening. Soon those in boxing and beyond who'd latched onto the gang would rue the day they ever backed Daniel Kinahan. In April 2021, the DPP made a decision to go for those they believed to be responsible for the Regency. They'd been building up a case, primarily around the recordings from Dowdall's visit up north with the monk. The case against him ultimately would have been of one of common design. Comments he made on those tapes proved that he was certainly involved in the murder, whether directly or indirectly. Further charges were issued against Paul Murphy and Jason Bonney. Dubliners accused of driving two of the getaway vehicles that had been parked up in the Charlemont estate. A lengthy analysis of CCTV from across the capital had traced the vehicles back to the two men. It wouldn't be difficult for the DPP to charge Dowdall. He was sitting on a landing in Wheatfield Prison, continuing to see out his sentence for the torture of Alex Hurley. But the monk was hiding. He had been for years, knowing this day was likely coming. In April 2021, the High Court in Dublin issued a European arrest warrant for Jerry Hutch. This basically meant that they were ready to kind of track him down or to try and bring him back to Ireland to face charges. Yeah, but they didn't know where he was exactly. They knew he was in Spain somewhere. So they contacted the police forces in Spain to try and um, get them to work closely together to see how they could manage to track Jerry down. Shortly after the European arrest warrant was issued, the Spanish authorities did launch their investigation on him straight away. Hutch had been holed up in one of his Lanzarote properties for a number of years. A matter of days before Spanish police made their move, Jerry and his wife left the island and headed north to Malaga. They dodged them entirely. It was frustrating for the police. He was always one step ahead of them. Using his real passport, intelligence picked up on his movements and were quickly able to establish 
that the couple had booked a return ticket to Lanzarote. They even had a photograph of him leaving the airport. So they launched the surveillance operation at Malaga Airport with the intention of bringing him into custody there. But he never turned up. Spanish police and Gardaí waited around for hours and hours. It was clear he was a no-show. Was this a coincidence? Or was the monk privy to information that should have been kept deeply confidential? So the suspicions certainly on the Irish end of the operations were that he was given a tip off that he had heard of the operation in Spain and that he stayed well clear of Malaga Airport because of this. The security services in Ireland are of the view that the Hutch criminal organisation had penetrated Garda headquarters in a way that few people could comprehend or believe. One of the main culprits was a former superintendent by the name of John Spud Murphy. John Murphy wasn't a guard who was compromised by criminals. He was a criminal who happened to be in the guards. And he was someone who had spent most of his career being corrupt. Murphy and Hutch had known each other for quite some time. They lived in the same area of Clontarf. So the way he operated was he would seek out information from contacts in the guards. And there was other guards involved in colluding with him. So, for example, he would he would contact someone and give them registration of a car or a name of an individual and say, are they the subject of ongoing inquiries? Murphy had been suspected of crooked activities for years. It led to his premature retirement in his mid-50s. You know, I remember investigating him 15 years ago. He was accused of certain type of activities. It was the worst kept secret in the world that he was involved in organised crime, but Garda headquarters done nothing about it. And he kind of led this high society kind of life uh, where he was associating with the great and the good. At the time, there was an arrest warrant issued for Jared Hutch. Jared Hutch became aware of that arrest warrant through Murphy and others and vanished. And our intelligence services then became aware of what was happening and began hunting these people and quickly identified them. An intelligence investigation was launched in a bid to take down Murphy and stop any further collusion with the Hutch criminal gang. I would have imagined it involved monitoring phone traffic, communications, etc., and at one point, I believe, there was actually false information put out there to see where it would eventually end up, etc. Former police officers and police officers who were in colluding with criminals are treated as a national security threat because of their potential to interfere with court cases, because of their potential to compromise investigations, but also to assist criminal organised crime gangs in their activities. So anything goes with these people and if that involves breaking into their homes and bugging them, so be it. Back in Spain, huge resources were being pumped in to try and track down the monk. Jerry Hutch is a wealthy man, but his criminal career was never as lucrative as that of the Kinahans. Police believed he'd be relying on the assistance of former associates and it was likely he'd be forced to stay somewhere on the Costa del Sol. He'd stationed himself in Fuengirola, a coastal town south of Malaga. Acting on intelligence, the Guardia Civil had a possible location for where the monk would be staying. An apartment on Calle Victoria, just 100 metres from the nearest police station. Yeah, the Guardia Civilia, they kind of launched a surveillance operation on this apartment and at one point Jerry Hutch came out onto a balcony and they were able to take a photograph of him and send it to the Guardia in Dublin and they positively identified Jerry Hutch as the man in the photograph. Hutch had gone to great lengths to disguise himself. When photographed in Malaga weeks previously, the monk had grown a bushy grey beard and long shoulder-length hair. This time round, his head was shaved tight and all the facial hair was gone. 
an operation was then launched to try and arrest him and a couple of days later he was eating in a restaurant in Ferengarola with his wife and they approached him. Hutch was dining in Limoncello, a pizza restaurant in the heart of the town. The couple had been in the building for about 15 minutes before the police made their move. In April, RT's primetime spoke to Mando, one of the undercover officers involved in the operation. We enter. I went directly to him. I faced him. Hi. I told him, Gerard, uh, Hutch, game's over. Finish, okay? I show my badge, and immediately my warmates from behind just put their hands on the shoulders and on the arms, so he knew that, uh, that the game was over. He looked at me, and uh, he surrendered. The footage is striking. Hutch seems totally relaxed. Not a care in the world. This video, obtained exclusively by Primetime, shows Hutch a few minutes after his arrest, but before he's escorted from the restaurant. He spots the Irish officer and cracks a joke about his jacket. Now, Jerry straight away was kind of anxious to fight his extradition. He wasn't going to go down without a fight. So he was before the courts in Madrid. And over the next couple of weeks, there was a couple of hearings in Spain where he contested the extradition, but ultimately the courts ordered that he can be extradited back to Ireland to face charges. The monk was flown back by military jet to Casement Aerodrome in Baldonnel. He touched down to a flurry of media coverage. His face made the front page of every newspaper. He was the leading story on every radio report. It was already clear that his impending trial was going to take on a life of its own. He was brought straight to the special criminal courts. It was about eight o'clock at night and there was a number. I remember a journalist beside me said to me, God, this is history. tell our grandkids about this, such was the magnitude of who was appearing before the courts and that's kind of which was the beginning of his whole I guess his the legal process in Ireland. Well when he appeared in court in the Special Criminal Court on September 2021 he was straight away charged with David Byrne's murder. Now we had long suspected that he was certainly wanted in connection with that murder but we weren't sure what kind of evidence they had or what the case was against them. We later found out that the case against him was centred around a charity he had to Northern Ireland with Jonathan Dowdall. They spoke a number of errors on those tapes. Hutch was placed on remand and immediately brought from the Special Criminal Court to Wheatfield Prison in Dublin. There he was placed in the High Security Wing where he would share a landing with none other than Jonathan Dowdall and his father, Patrick. He was happy to find solace in a familiar face. If only he knew what was to come. Hutch had have to call the prisoners home for at least a year, as a preliminary trial date was set for October the 3rd, 2022. A lot would take place in those 12 months for both men. Dowdall was desperate for a way out. But the concept of Amerta, the gangland code of silence, would only stretch so far. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information, 
information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. On the same day that Jerry Hutch was officially charged with the murder of David Byrne, the cops also moved in on ex-cop John Murphy's home. They were hoping to find a number of burner phones to help link his communications with the Hutch gang. What they found was even more shocking. A retired guard, the superintendent, has been jailed for six and a half years for possessing cannabis worth almost €260,000 for sale or supply. 62-year-old John Murphy from Clontarf in Dublin apologised for the hurt and embarrassment he had caused his family and the force. When he was caught, he was running a drug distribution network with a guy called Tommy Savage, who was a former paramilitary, who had killed people. And these two characters had met each other a number of years ago, I understand, and had been involved in all sorts of organised crime themselves, which Murphy profited from handsomely. Eight bags of cannabis were found in Murphy's home. One was stored in a wardrobe. Eight more in a coal shed. Defence counsel Michael O'Higgins said Murphy had debts of more than €850,000 at the time. He fancied himself as a business person, Mr O'Higgins said, but had the opposite of the Midas touch and any investment he made went down the drain. Murphy's sentence was for the drugs rap alone. But investigations are still ongoing surrounding the more serious charge of passing information to a criminal gang. He's quite a wealthy man and he had betrayed the force but he'd also betrayed himself. So if you're involved in organised crime and just because you came from a policing background there's an even more determination to take you out of circulation and to ensure you're brought to justice. While things were seemingly falling apart for the Hutch gang, the Kinahans were ploughing ahead with their sports washing and narco-trafficking operations. They were still talking to Anthony Joshua, while Dylan White, another British heavyweight, was being looked at as a replacement. Things weren't totally rosy, however. In August 2021, Dubai police arrested Raffaele Imperiale, the Naples drugs lord, who was a key figure in creating the European super cartel alongside Daniel Kinahan. The raid took place late at night in Imperiale's Dubai mansion. and a massive cache of weapons and money was taken. Daniel and Christie had seen many associates banged up over the years. It was part of the job in many ways. But the arrest of Imperiali spelled bad news for the cartel. The United Arab Emirates' light touch to organised crime seemed to be finally coming to an end. 
They were cooperating to take down many of the mobsters who'd made Dubai their home. In the background, work was being done with law enforcement agencies from across the globe. You know, the reality is the UAE does not want violent, internationally known, global, organised crime people residing in their jurisdiction. When sufficient evidence is is presented to them and when their legislative framework uh, allows that, we've seen significant criminals whose names would be well known in this global network being extradited to the Netherlands to face serious crime. We've seen them also being extradited to Italy to face serious crime. Once Imperiale was lifted, the conglomerate of forces went about closing in on their next targets, the Kinans. We actively went and had meetings and arranged for meetings with, with a lot of our international partners. So National Crime Agency, the, the Guardia Civil and, and Police Nacional in Spain, Europol and our colleagues in, in the DEA, the Drugs Enforcement Agency in the US in particular, and also Customs and Border uh, Force within the US. So a lot of coordination meetings took place Having the Americans on board was crucial if the gang were ever to be taken down. They had a longer reach than either the Gardaí or the NCA. On the 3rd of March 2022, the media and Irish public were in for a massive surprise. Scottish actor and podcaster James English sent Twitter into a meltdown with the announcement of his newest guest. His tweet read, A world exclusive with Ireland's Daniel Kinahan coming soon. For someone who lived such a high-profile life, both in boxing and crime, it was extremely rare to hear Daniel ever speak. Not only that, a trailer revealed the pair would be delving into some of the juicier moments of his personal life. If on this back, there is a number of things they wrote about me. These papers wrote me. I supplied these blunts to these rebel kids in Africa. I had a billion dollars worth of cocaine, went through America. Come on. If this really happened in America, I'll be in America now. I grew up the way I grew up. And, and like I said, I'm not going to say I was an angel, but I'm proud of where I was brought up. And I'm proud of how I was brought up. I want to turn things into now. I want to just turn everything into a positive and I want to help people change. It was clear Daniel was trying to control his own story once more. The trailer ends on a clip of his own account of the Regency. The Regency, people died for that. That's what a lot of people know Daniel coming in from, retaliation, this and that. But what's the full story from the run up to the Regency? Was there any attacks in your life previously or was this the first? I'm going to tell you, I never told anyone this story. I see him there, maybe six metres from me, and then I see like this, and then I see the, the gun at the back, and then I go, and I hear, boom, 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 shots getting let go behind me. The whole project was astonishing, and it angered many. He wasn't just content with letting others talk for him. Now he'd be the one at the centre of the narrative. Jude Weber is Ireland correspondent for the Financial Times. I'm not quite sure that, that these people think like the rest of us do, because he also seemed to think that he could set up a high-profile boxing venture and have people not associate the Kinahan drug gang with the Kinahan boxing empire. So um, so maybe, you know, maybe at this point he just sort of felt he was invincible. I mean, I was very struck by the fact he was supposed to do that very big podcast in March. And they were trailing it and he was, you know, there were clips of him and he seemed to be, you know, wanting to just be out there talking about, you know, what he wanted to talk about. As if he felt, you know, as I say, invincible. Kinahan didn't know it at this stage. As he prepared for the release of his podcast debut, his days as a free man were numbered. 
in the background, the DEA and the US Department of State were preparing to bring the hammer down on his gang, to paralyze them, to sanction them. Well, uh, sanctions essentially uh, operate this way. They say that whoever, whoever um, issues the sanction, in this case, it's American, but they're also European sanctions. Um, when they do it, essentially that what they're saying is that you, if you are an American, you can't do business with these guys anymore. That's it. That's, that's, that's how sanctions operate in the simplest fashion. Basically, the idea is, again, in, with the ambition of dismantling the Canaan Organized Crime Group, that you don't let the organized crime group interact with society in a way uh, that they might desire, where they would uh, attempt to legitimize their activities and uh, while at the same time continuing their criminal activity. For Michael O'Sullivan, Daniel in particular brought the heat on himself. He helped orchestrate his own demise. Look, There are lots of criminals who are very wealthy and are very subtle in what they do. You don't need to be Al Capone. You don't need to be Scarface. You don't. You're setting yourself up. Everybody knows you. You're a household name. And meanwhile, the other criminals are sitting back and say, thank God he's taken all the heat. So that's, you know, it's a bad move to make. It's a foolish move. So on April the 12th, 2022, enough was enough. And a press conference was called in Dublin City Hall. The Irish media gathered and learn the fate of the Kinahan gang going forward. And so today, the United States Department of State is pleased to announce a reward of up to $5 million for information leading to the financial disruption of the KTCO or the arrest and convictions of its leaders. Christopher Vincent Kinahan, Daniel Joseph Kinahan, and Christopher Kinahan Jr. The Kinahans made headlines around the globe. They were now a toxic entity. It was like a movie. A gang of mobsters on the run from the US government, the Gardaí and the US DEA. A bounty of $15 million on their heads and a world that is now much, much smaller for them. A fitting final chapter for a story that had brought so much drama so far. But that's not where this tale ends. We have two more episodes to go on this season of The Kinhans. Our next episode, Supergrass, We'll look at the trial of Jerry the Monk Hutch in its entirety. Finally, episode 10 will delve into what comes next for the Kinhans in a post-sanctions world. The Kinahans was hosted by me, Damien Lane, and produced by Urban Media. If you've liked the podcast so far, leave us a review. It only takes a sec. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 